Welcome back on to One on One here on WFUV Sports, New York's longest running call-in show. I'm Miles Grossman alongside Will DeFusco this evening. We're so happy to be joined by Eric Newman of Showtime Sports. Eric has a new documentary drop this past week. Kevin Garnett, Anything is Possible, available on Showtime Sports and their streaming platforms. Eric, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know how busy of a guy you must be these days. It really means a lot for us to have this time with you. No, oh, pleasure, fellas. Pleasure. Good to be here with you. Good to be here. Appreciate it. I noticed that Boston sports poster in the back. Okay. We got, we got <laughs> oh, that yeah, back yeah. there. I see it. I see it. Nice. Yeah. Rob, you on, uh, you on campus right now? You at Fordham? We, we, nice. we both are on Fordham. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Just part of, part of WFUV Sports. It's a great, great program here. We're both happy to, to be a part of it. Eric, first of all, congratulations on your, on, on your new project. Was this, I'm wondering, was this a project that began before COVID-19 and then was kind of postponed by those issues? Or was this something that was, was born during the pandemic? Uh, yeah, no. So this was, uh, I mean, personally, this is something that uh, both myself and uh, executive producer uh, Brian Daly of Showtime, you know, had wanted to do for a very long time. But in terms of bringing it to life, um, you know, uh, Mark Levin, executive producer from Blowback Productions, and my co-director, uh, Dan Levin, his son, who have been uh, uh, friends and colleagues of mine for 10 years, they had, uh, Mark had met KG in uh, 2018. So it was it was after he retired. He was figuring out what he wanted to do. Mark was out in L.A. They met. The seed was planted. And 2018, 2019, I was doing the, uh, the DeMarcus Cousin, uh, Cousins Resurgence film with Showtime, which was a, a big step forward in my career. And um, Mark connected me with KG's team. And we, got, we actually got in the room together in L.A. when uh, we were filming Boogie's Return, when he had that great return for the Warriors at Staples against the Clippers. And right away, there was that synergy. There was that passion. Obviously, we know what KG's passion is, and in no way am I comparing myself to him, but I am that amped and that passion when it comes to basketball and storytelling. And they had a vision for something they wanted to do. We obviously wanted to listen to that. We wanted to combine ideas, combine forces. Took 2019 to flush it out, do the creative development, do the pitch meetings. It didn't take much of a pitch. It was more so just... Yeah. honing in on so many different things because as confident as KG was as a player and is as a person, he's extremely humble. So at first he was like, I want to tell the story of the impact. And, you know, he was terming it like uh, the butterfly effect where I always use the domino effect of what his decision in 95 to go from high school to the pros was. Mm. And I'm like, that's genius. Let's combine that with your story. And he kind of needed to yeah. take a step back and think about it. But at the end, it made sense. But all of 2019 was laying it out, right? From everything from budget to game plans to target voices. And then you fast forward to, into 2020. And it's pretty surreal when you think about it. We only had four shoot days before the pandemic shut everything down in early March. The first two shoot days were in L.A. on January 24th and 25th the two days before the Kobe tragedy and the day before the Kobe tragedy. And you guys have seen the film. Um, those beautiful beach scenics were shot in Malibu, 10 miles from where the Kobe tragedy happened the day before. And it's just really crazy to think about because of their connection and their lineage. And the fact that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm lucky enough to be the executive producer of Showtime basketball. Right. So a month before, I'm at Kobe's office capturing his epic All the Smoke episode and telling his people, hey, this is what we're doing. 
We'd love to have Kobe involved. They were like, oh, absolutely. We'll figure out a scene. We'll do it. And then that took place. And that just made us all really pause and think about a lot of things. Um, I call it the last day of normalcy. Nothing has really felt right since then, even though we seem to be getting on the other side of things right now. But still nothing feels normal to me uh, since, since then. And then we had two shoot days in Chicago for uh, 2020 All-Star. One of them was the All the Smoke show with KG, which was... Uh, an epic episode and that day he also had his hall of fame finalist press conference and then the next day which was president's day monday which i think is the most pivotal shoot of the film is his visit back to farragut because if we don't get it that day you're not getting access to a school during a pandemic and we did it on the monday of president's day when nobody was there so who knows if we even have a film i gotta be honest like yeah we would have had all this great stuff but without the farragut piece um, we definitely don't have what we have. So it was a three month hiatus after that. And then we picked it up again in June. Dan Levin, my co-director and I came out to LA, um, knocked out eight or nine interviews in, in four or five weeks. And then we were able to start cutting and continuing to film as we went. And it was literally going from this grand plan we thought we had to month by month filmmaking is essentially what it was here's what we're trying to accomplish this month on the edit side here's what we're trying to excuse me accomplish this month on interviews and outreach and that was the cadence so very fortunate we were able to figure it out as we went there's there's no playbook for this right like have you you guys made a you guys made a film during a pandemic before i haven't so (laughs) yeah yeah well you kind of yeah you kind of mentioned that uh, KG is kind of a humble guy. And so in order to get the most out of this documentary, I'm sure you had to get to know him a bit. And so how do you find out more about his life, like more than what met the eye? Well, there became a point in 2019 where he just, you know, he started to trust. He saw what we were doing. He saw how we were communicating with him. He saw our passion for it. Um, you know, the Levins and Blowback Productions who have been part of my life for 10 years and Mark Levin's been a mentor to me. I don't know if you guys saw the film that I worked on with uh, Dan Levin. Mark was a consultant. It's called The Legend of Sweet Pea about the great Lloyd Daniels from New York, the great playground legend. Um, so we had that great connection and you combine that with Showtime's track record and, you know, Brian Daly executive producer of the film, SVP at Showtime Sports, and the president of Showtime Sports, Stephen Espinoza. Him and KG have this great story where KG is on Brooklyn and they're going to China, and somehow Stephen Espinoza ends up on that flight. It was like an exhibition, and they're up four or five hours talking boxing. So KG always had this thing for Showtime, and he also has this thing for story, like we all do. I'm a movie nut and a basketball nut at the end of the day. So as all these synergies are aligning, and we're just staying at it, staying at it. There just became a point where he actually verbalized that at one point, like his trust for myself and Dan and Mark and Brian and everybody. And you got Kevin Garnett saying that out loud. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty yeah. damn good feeling. So from there, you know, there are a lot of things he shared with us about his life, his upbringing that, you know, we just did not put in the film because we, some of those things are not for public. They're just for, for, for us to know, but they also helped guide us as storytellers. And they help guide us in terms of, okay, we can push a little bit here, bring back a little bit here, but it's one of the, 
it's hard to compare it to any other experience I've had working with any athlete. I've been very fortunate with, with what I've been able to do. And, you know, I, I started as a 20, 21 year old intern going to the garden. You know, I, I grew up in Long Island. I started going to the garden and putting a mic in people's face, you know, and going to the Jets training camp and being too scared to ask Bill Parcells a question. And just for you guys, you guys being at Fordham, which I know is a very special place in sports broadcasting and sports media, I took an NYU sports broadcasting intensive after I graduated Ithaca in 2000. Originally, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster because sports documentary filmmaking did not exist in this way yet, you know? Um, Mike Breen was one of my professors. Like, Mike, Mike Breen was took wow. an interest in wow. trying to help me develop uh, a career, but I was young, stupid, and impatient, but... You know, thankfully, I stuck with my passions and it all worked out. But, um, you know, building that trust with KG and his team and this entire team of all of us from these different entities with different experiences, um, really special to come together on this. Really special. Absolutely. No, I, I, I can only imagine what that felt, feels like to, to, to build a relationship with a guy like with Kevin Garnett. I mean, it's just a... Someone I obviously, you know, for, for basketball fans, it's just n nothing short of a of an icon in the game. So I can only imagine how spectacular that that must have felt. Yeah. Obviously, um, well, considering uh, I've been a Celtic, uh, considering I've been a Celtics fan my entire life and grew up in New York around Knicks fans, so that meant 2008 was the ultimate championship. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard to put into words what it means. I'm still, it's still setting in. I gotta be honest with you. I, I hear you. Yeah, it's, it's generally career shifting and. Um, Obviously, you know, uh, KD, KG, excuse me, uh, has this menacing presence on the court, especially my generation. We've only seen him as this veteran who has this very aggressive, uh, menacing character on the court. And, and, and to us young fans, that's all we've that's all we've seen. It kind of makes fans assume that he has this menacing character about him in all facets of his life. So I'm wondering, it, it, did that have anything to do with with wanting to tell KG story just because of his, his, his on-court reputation as this kind of savage? It's part of it, but it's it's so much more. Like, you know, when I was uh, – I'm 43 years old, guys. So, uh, you know, three years after undergrad was when you could buy a MacBook Pro and shoot digital and cut on Final Cut Pro at home, right? So everything I learned old-school production-wise went out the window at, at Ithaca. And I go on this, you know, I, I, I impatiently leave broadcasting. I'm getting to the answer here. But I impatiently leave broadcasting very early because I'm 23 years old thinking I should be able to get a job in New York, which is just clueless. And I jump into coaching because I was, I was an athlete and I started coaching basketball, um, you know, as a teenager. So you fast forward to 2008. I'm 30 years old. I'm living a really fun existence in New York. I'm, I'm a private school PE teacher. I'm a high school basketball coach. I'm a Nike clinic director and I'm doing creative on the side, like cool stuff for dime magazine and other things like that. And that season on the Celtics, I'm literally watching these games and watching the epic playoff run and dreaming. If I can ever get on that path, this is the guy's story I want to tell because it was appointment television to watch that team led by him every single night. So it was the passion. It was the talking. It was the leadership. It was the fearlessness. It was the unselfishness. It's all of those things. And to have Umbutu be part of that culture, which has so much um, similarity to what Celtic pride means and growing up 
reading about Red and reading about Russell and watching Bird and and Parrish and McHale and DJ and 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 knowing what that meant and then to see it in the present day with him at the head of it along with with Pierce and Doc and the rest of the crew, it was something that was like this is what I want to do one day if I could get. Yeah. I mean, it literally started then, and then it it started to become more of a reality as I started to carve out a career for myself. But, um, you know, this for me has been both a, a grind and at times painful, but so exciting and so fulfilling too, because I mean, look where I got to land. I mean, building the Showtime basketball platform, you know, with the team at Showtime and being able to uh, create this film in parallel uh, it's it's pretty remarkable. So, um, you know, I, if you told me right now this was a just a great long dream, I would I would believe you. But I, <laughs> I think we're I, I think we're still in reality. Absolutely. Will care to uh, so like a lot of Kevin Garnett's uh, mystique comes from on the court. But were there any aspects of his off the court activity that uh, stood out to you or that impacted the documentary as well? off the court during his career or off the court present day? Both, either. Well, he's very, very reserved in terms of what his activity is off the court. He chooses to live a quiet life, and I think we can understand why. He's seven feet tall. He's a public figure. He's been famous since 1995, and people need privacy um you know it's funny when you build these relationships with people and obviously he's a global icon and i'm a filmmaker from new york <laughs> with a passion but you know the the things that we the, and, and it's not just myself it's it's colleagues on the on the film some of the commonalities of just consuming the game continuously and consuming content and studying the craft and that's what really got me right like you know a lot of athletes have production companies they they see the benefit of it not only to tell their stories to create a, a, a business he studies content and story whether it's present-day docuseries films whatever it is he studies like that stuff like he was studying film back in the day he studies he watches he absorbs He's got his own tastes, his own opinions on things. And to find someone at that level who could just say to his people, okay, you guys watch all this stuff and then share the notes with me. No, he does the work. And, you know, I'll never forget, like, you know, I was the second half of 2019, like, you know, everything sweeping general statement, right? But you guys will learn this when you leave school. Like, in most industries, everything takes longer than it should for some reason, whatever that is. Just things take long to develop, whether it's legal, whether it's paperwork, whether it's getting people aligned, whether it's schedules, whatever it is. So the last half to a third of 2019, you know, we're chipping away, getting everything done, everything done. But I'm literally going to bed every night, visualizing, sitting down across from him for that first interview for that first time visualizing it visualizing it it's like the scene in the film when he's got the trophy in his office wake up look at it wake up look at it wake up look at it same thing and i knew i was prepared because that's what i do 
but he was so locked in. And it's not like we went over questions ahead of time. He knew the thematics we were doing that day, but he came in with his own stories, his own remembrances, his own reflections, his own emotions. And to have our prep, our team match what he brought to the table and him more so match us and so much more. That was just so incredible. Like first day, looking at my co-director, looking at my director of photography, who's a rock star, knowing how excited our editor was going to be about this stuff. I was just like, how, how lucky are we? And then from there, and I don't know if you guys were going to ask about this, but I'll, I'll throw it out there and then feel free to ask whatever you want. It's your show, not mine. But like the, 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 the chorus of voices we got to paint in parallel with his, I, I, I'm still astounded by how many incredible voices we were able to get. And there's more we wanted to, but the pandemic is what really uh, messed with that, unfortunately, some of the opponents that we wanted to get from his his era. But you look at those voices and, and you look at a lot of docs, right? And you have your subject, your star. And then there's usually, I'm not gonna say anyone in these docs is bad, but there's usually like, like two or three of those voices that really, really, really stand out. In this one, who doesn't stand out? <laughs> they're all awesome. They're all incredible. Mm. And it, it just goes to show the impact that he had on their life. And, and whether it was personal life, whether it was experience in the league, whether he was a mentor to them, whether he was junior to them. Um, and then just the emotion that KG brings out in, in so many people, obviously myself included. Absolutely. No. And as you mentioned, there, there's a plethora of, of NBA stars featured in the new doc from, you know, AI, Paul Pierce, Rondo, Pau Gasol. Is it, what, what has been that, how has that experience been working with those, with those big names? Are there any particular moments that you look back on knowing that you'll never forget that moment that they told you about a particular story? Hmm. So I'm spoiled. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I no, but, but in my, my journey, like, you know, I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes for years where I'm working with guys and hearing stories or people like, Oh, you produced that. Oh, you did that interview. It's not like obvious, right? Because in a lot of these productions, mm -hmm. you'll have multiple producers doing interviews and you know, the director gets the, the, the headline and the shine, obviously. Um, I want to, I want to say this carefully because I don't want to demean another network or platform, but really interesting how Paul Pierce comes across in our film compared to how he was coming across on network television at the yeah. four letter NBA network. Paul is a very thoughtful, insightful, fun loving guy who is great at telling stories and his all the smoke episode is also great. And he really cared. I mean, him and Kevin have this incredible brotherhood. So I knew Paul's interview would be great. Um, Jelani McCoy's interview was so much fun because I was just getting to know him at that point. And obviously that fun story that takes place in the nineties, but also Jelani's ability to just provide insight on the lockout and the hip hop era and all those things. So, you know, him and Barnes, I knew would be great. Obviously have a great working relationship with Matt from the show. Um, Scoop Jackson and Isaiah Thomas were unbelievable and for me growing up a celtics fan and and growing up in new york and you know I'm, I'm i'm being playful here but you know i love when nick fans are going through it i love when they're being tortured because they tortured me when i was a kid you know growing up in in nassau county isaiah's interview was so incredible his insight his feeling what he shared about chicago what he shared about uh some of the things that didn't make it into the film just 
connecting on on what KG really uh, was magnetized by in terms of civil rights and Dr. King and the connections in Chicago and why Bill Russell and him connected so well. Isaiah had incredible things to say, and obviously we see that in the film and see the role he played in his life. And then Scoop's interview, um, you know, we went four hours. <laughs> and Scoop, Scoop, and I were, Scoop and I were texting you earlier. We are talking about doing a podcast about this together. Um, he was unbelievable. And, that, and that's in line with how important Chicago is as a character in this film. As I was saying earlier about the key to that Farragut shoot, Chicago and the full circle of Chicago and that meeting with Coach Wolf Nelson, that meeting with Ronnie Fields, Scoop as part of that, and of course being in the 2008 press conference and that full circle connectivity, it's it's beautiful and it, it speaks to the brotherhood of this game. That is, people, yeah, people are like, all right, high school AAU, yeah, we're brothers, we're brothers. This exists on the NBA level. It's just not highlighted and talked about enough. These bonds are are unbelievable. So. Um, my long-winded tangent answer is uh, many of those voices. And, of course, you know, the moment Doc Rivers sits down on the set, I know he's going to give us gold because that's what Doc yeah. does. So, yeah. I hear you. No, it, it, it's spectacular because, obviously, I, I, I actually grew up in Southern California, and I was a big Laker fan during the era of the, you know, back-to-back oh, -back and 10 and oh, 11. Oh, boy. So it's, um, it's just uh, like, get your, get your years Get your years right, Robert. 9 and 10. Damn, get your championship. Oh, no, excuse me. I want, I want, yeah. So, so Robert, if you were going to the basket tonight, you might get, you might get Kurt Rambis. We got Celtics Lakers tonight. Um, but yeah, that, no, it and, and forgive me for butting in, but just let me say, obviously, you were a kid back then. I'm, I'm 30, 31, 32. Like, how incredible was it seeing Celtics Lakers? Like, not just watching it on an NBA entertainment video, like I had to do as a kid, like you were doing up until that point, but like, seeing it unfold there's there's yeah. nothing like that there's nothing like that i hear you i hear you and obviously you know there's there's yeah it, it must have been such an amazing experience to watch that um to watch the different eras of, of kg's life I, I genuinely can only imagine and, and, and like we talked about there's so many stars in in this new doc one of them is matt barnes who you worked with for obviously many years on on all the smoke and and, and i'm just wondering uh, transitioning to your to your all the smoke career, what was it like getting involved with that project? There's so much content out there. There's uh, you know an unbelievable amount of, of sports media, and and I'm wondering how did you know what, what what stood out about this show that you said this this one is not going to just get lost in the wind of sports media. This stands out as a core podcast that will succeed for years to come. Well, there's a lot of really meaningful backstory here, so. I've played my role, right? And so much of it is karma, so much of it is timing, so much of it is just following your passions and instincts. So, you know, I'm grinding out. I, I was at Bleacher Report from uh, 13 to 15 after Turner bought them. So I was leading uh, NBA video on TeamStream, which was a tremendous opportunity for me to like have an industry job and build my name in basketball content. Because up until then, I was two years just straight hustling after uh, leaving the, the basketball coaching side of things. And when I left there, I knew that I did not want to be in a studio-like environment again for a while. I knew I wanted to get into film and that Lloyd Daniels film was a journey that started in 2012 that went to 2015, uh, The Legend of Sweet Pea. But I, um, you know, Brian Daly started at Showtime as their first like digital lead in sports. 
he was at ESPN for 14 years and he started there. He went after the position. He got it. He wanted a new challenge. He knew sports business. He knew sports content. He knew partnerships. He knew digital. It was like this perfect meshing. And we started to talk about, okay, what can we do together as he grows and I grow? And, you know, at first it was, hey, we've got these extras from the Allen Iverson doc. And actually it started with the Kobe doc. I was cutting extras for the Kobe doc, but the Kobe doc changed in the middle where all those complimentary voices and interviews were out and it was Kobe doing the confessional with the camera. So everything mm -hmm. I had cut there got left to the side. Then I do it with Iverson. Then there's, you know, Victor Cruz, Tony Gonzalez do their docs. I'm doing it then I'm getting into that ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I come up with the DeMarcus Cousins idea for the resurgence because I had done something with DeMarcus and his team a couple of years before. And I picked up the phone and, you know, obviously that didn't work out the way we had hoped because two nights after his, his playoff debut, he crumples to the floor again and gets hurt, which was very upsetting for DeMarcus and our film had just come out. But you think about that time period, we came out with the resurgence. Brian brought Quiet Storm over from Bleacher Report, which was directed by another New York guy named Johnny Sweet, who's a terrific filmmaker. And all of a sudden you're looking at this basketball library of quiet storm the resurgence shut up and dribble one and done iverson kobe mm -hmm. i'm forgetting something and we're like we got to create something around this the, the, yeah. we, we knew what the basketball content demand was more than just highlights more than just quick analysis more than just hot take stuff and we went to work just thinking about what, what it could be and credit Brian because he's the one that had to go internal and, and sell it in. And at the same time, Stack's interview in Quiet Storm is, is awesome. Barnes, I interviewed him for the resurgence. And all I simply did after that was say, hey, Matt, like, what do you, what do you want to do? He had all these ideas. He's, he's out in Hollywood. He's meeting people all the time. He's such a great um, connector of the dots in terms of getting himself gigs and connecting with people to develop projects. So all I did was put Brian and Matt together. I called Brian after the interview. He was like, how was Matt Barnes? I'm like, he was unbelievable. I was driving to San Diego to interview uh, coach Mike Malone and Isaiah Thomas uh, the next morning when they were nuggets were playing the Lakers in a preseason game. And I said, take his number, call him. And they got to talking. And then this concept was born. And yeah. When Brian told me what it was going to be, and he had, you know, he obviously he, he wanted me in this role of helping him guide the platform because of the work we had been doing. And then he tells me the concept. I'm like, you got to be kidding. This is this is unbelievable. Um, we knew it was going to be good. We couldn't have imagined how quickly it was going to grow. Mm -hmm. And that's a testament to the guys. To Matt and Stack. That's a testament to our, our production team, our production partner, uh, Malka Media uh, and, and Malka Sports. Um, you know, they made the commitment. They made the production commitment. They made the resource commitment. Obviously, Showtime made the commitment. And then we had to all figure out, like, how to, how to drive this thing forward. But if Matt and Stack aren't Matt and Stack, if Matt and Stack don't have those incredible relationships and the trust from the guests, then there's no way this happens. But yeah. The trust, the vibe, the tone, obviously our society's acceptance now of, of cannabis and cannabis culture, meshing in with the basketball, the storytelling, the hip hop, the things that are going on in our world, 
they want to talk about some of the rough things going on in, in our world, specifically in the community where they're, they're from. Yes, let's do it. We need mm -hmm. to shine a light on those things. It can't just yeah. be basketball all the time. It can't just be what happened in this game. It can't be about this matchup. It's got to be things that are important, human things. And some of those early episodes, like when Dwayne Wade's talking about his family, and we get major traction and pickup from non-sports platforms. And mm -hmm. then we fortunately are able to sit down with Kobe Bryant and we're able to sit down with KG and those early episodes, this is all pre-pandemic stuff. That yeah. really set the tone. And then pandemic wise, we were lucky enough where, you know, we know how to put together that right remote formula. Uh, Malka had technology that I had used before doing kind of uh, live contributor hits back in the VR days. You mesh that together with Zoom. You add in the fact that the guys were home for two, three months, and all they wanted to do is have those conversations. And then we were mm -hmm. fortunate we were able to grow the show during the pandemic. And from there, we've created a content ecosystem in two years that stems from social content, the digital content to best of all the smoke uh, on Showtime Network, and of course, you know KG yeah. right now on uh, on Showtime. Absolutely no, and I, I can I can only begin to to explain this because um, you know as someone who did, wasn't lucky enough to live through certain spectacular eras of the NBA, this content is so special to to, to this generation that we get to kind of get a feel for what the 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 eighties nineties early two thousands before I really understood basketball were really like so. You know, it, it's truly spectacular what you guys have done. And uh, William, is there any uh, any any other things you want to toss in? Um, well, I was just gonna say, like a, a documentary like this, like the Celtics, their last finals appearance before 08 was like 1987, and then 2008. Yeah, yep. the loss of the Lakers. Yep, very long I, time ago. I was I was <laughs> nine year, I was nine years old, and I remember what the enormity of it felt like right yeah. like you know i can't tell you if i remember magic's hook shot from watching the game or torturing myself watching it on nba entertainment 1100 times but i remember the enormity of it and then you know shortly after that like i remember like the end of bird's career like very very mm -hmm. vividly because it was both exciting and hard to watch um, and yeah. then obviously Reggie, Reggie Lewis became my favorite player. And that to this day is incredibly painful. And, and that was actually, um, yeah. it's funny. I have this really unique connection with Jackie McMullen where, uh, you know, we had many conversations before we ever met. And in 2013, I wanted to do the Reggie Lewis film about being 30 years removed and the impact and the legacy he left. And, Jackie was trying to help me. And one day, all of a sudden, she calls me. She says, Eric, you're not going to believe this. Comcast called me. They've got all the footage. And their top producer, he's going to direct this Reggie Lewis doc. I'm really sorry. I'm like, oh. Mm -hmm. Three years later, I'm like, how cool would it be to do like a retrospective on the 86 Celtics and get Bill Walton involved? And I'm talking to Jackie about it. A week later, Eric, you're not going to believe this. The same Comcast group is doing a special with the Celtics on the, 80, uh, on the 86 Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was, you know, and, and it, you know, you guys obviously have, you know, so much of your life and career in front of you and not to be cliche-ish, but building on the anything is possible theme, but you got to go after it and you got to keep going and, and you got to keep throwing stuff up against the wall. And, you know, I used so much of my 20s to figure out, you know, I had great experiences, but at the end of the day, it was kind of like checking off the boxes, like, 
all right, these are the things I want to experience, but these experiences are teaching me that I don't necessarily want to do this for the long term. And I always wanted yeah. to be creative, but at the same time, I was super competitive and I had so many mentors in my life in sports and I was you know, very much about paying it forward and, and karma and all these things. So that was me every day in basketball and trying to think about living without that. And like, I could, I, I was telling this to someone last week, I could have the worst day in the world as a teacher and a coach, but look myself in the mirror and know I helped at least one young person today, if not dozens or more, right? In this industry, that's been a void a bit, but I do teach almost every day because I'm either working with my All the Smoke production crew or I'm working with the crew on the film or we have a Showtime internal crew that works under Brian and I'm always just throwing stuff at them. So it's just different, you know, it's just different. But the, the, the fact that all of this has aligned in this way um, is still pretty surreal. But I, I would say to you guys, like, you know, this technology, this industry did not exist in this way when I was coming out of school. So you guys have these tools, you have this know-how. At the same time, you've got more people competing to do it with more platforms creating a demand for the content. So it's, we're in a really interesting time right now, but um, you know, the, the platform, who I get to work with, what's considered work, um, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty special. And, and I'll leave you with this, and it's, it's all about your perspective. So during the pandemic, I found myself, uh, I, moved to L I moved to LA in February of uh, 2021 this year. Spent 18 years in Manhattan. Grew up in Nassau County. Went to Ithaca College upstate. So, like, I'm I'm a hardcore New Yorker, despite you know being a Celtics fan. Yeah. <laughs> and um, during the pandemic, I found myself asking myself, I'm doing the dream show and the dream film at the same time. Why do I have to do it during a pandemic? Because the environment we created around all the smoke, Showtime basketball, how the early KG shoots felt, that's everything I ever wanted in terms of being around a community of people in person. And then it was all taken away from all of us. But at the same time, it's all about mindset. And I do a gratitude exercise every morning, which is something I should have started when I was your age. But thankfully, I started it a couple of years ago. How lucky am I that I had these things to work on? during such a crazy time where I literally think I would have lost my mind. I really do. And it was the discipline of sports. It was, it was taking myself back to Belmore JFK basketball practice. And we happened to be conference champs in 1996. I'm still really close with my coach and my guys. And it was literally the discipline of one more sprint, one more suicide, one more defensive slide drill. Get, get on the ground in the apartment and do 300 crunches and 200 push-ups. Like it was that mentality in the pandemic and then go back to work. Um, yeah. So fortunate so that we were able to keep this going on both lanes during this time. And now we've come out on the other side. We've got season three of all the smoke underway. The team was filming in New York, New York when I was just there. Uh, those episodes will be dropping soon. Season two of all the smoke uh, best of, excuse me, is on demand right now. So um, Iverson, KG, uh, Steph Curry dropped uh, last night. Shaq drops next week. There's going to be 15 of those. And um, 
you know, and then the film is out and, you know, what we're building with uh, KG on the digital uh, front, stay tuned for that uh, coming in 2022. So it's, uh, it's great to, it's great to be a part of, it's great to help lead it, but it's also important to share this stuff with you guys because you guys are the next generation and uh, we, we've got to play a role in that too. So um, appreciate you guys having me on and anytime you want to wrap sports or hear my long winded stories about basketball and filmmaking, you let me know. No, we absolutely, we will definitely have to contact you soon because we, we, I really enjoyed this time. Thank you so much for taking this time on this Friday evening. Hope you have a, have a great rest of your weekend. Hey, have a great Thanksgiving, guys. And uh, don't forget, anything is possible. Showtime.